Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Radar, episode 65. My name is Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at Games Radar. And this week on the show, Resident Evil 7 is the scariest goddamn game ever made. Uh, Dave, Susan, and myself get into the game. We also talk a little bit about PAX South. We talk a little bit more about the Nintendo Switch as a family gaming proposition. And close with a little Dragon Quest VIII discussion. Listen on. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left because I've been blasted and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. I tried to make my hair look like Coolio's once in about... Uh, <laughs> I bet that went well. Yeah. I, I, I was at a sleepover and I looked at my friend Claire and I was like, Claire, can you braid my hair? And she was like, sure. And I was like, yeah, but can you can you basically look, like, make it look like I, I look like Angela's doll on Rugrats. I want the braids <laughs> all over the place. And uh, then I looked in the mirror, and I had, like, my 15-year-old dirt mustache, and it just wasn't, oh, I was, it wasn't working. It wasn't You have made interesting follicular choices throughout your life my friend that's what i try to do that's that's my i i like to be an interestingly quaffed man uh ladies and gentlemen hello welcome to radio radar episode 65 my name is anthony john agnello and with me are a bunch of people we're recording this one early uh, because you might be listening to this and it's after pack south but we have two intrepid people going to pack south for games radar and we wanted to record before they left we have executive editor susan art oh hi <laughs> and we have staff writer dave roberts rootin tootin raskin i'm we're going to texas baby i'm gonna bring my six shooters and no i'm not i, don't. I will slap you <laughs> I don't do look look <laughs> My husband is from Texas. I have strong feelings about the stereotypical nature of how people view Texas, but we are going to eat a lot of tacos. Yeah, tacos <laughs> and barbecue, hopefully. F yeah. I do, I do like barbecue. D- Dave, do you walk into every room when you're in Texas going, bang, bang, what's the hang? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you have a sample. You have a sample of the, like, from Hey Dude play on your phone. I wear I wear a comically large cowboy hat, and I just, like, I have some spurs, and I just walk in and, oh, oh do-. No, I don't do that. That's mean. <laughs> I've been to Austin before, though. Austin's, Austin's good town. Wait, have you, is this, the, is this the first time? Have you not been to South before? No, you have, I've, right? I've not, no, I've never been to Pack South before. I've been to South oh! by Southwest before, okay, but I've never been right. to Pack South. Okay, well, Austin is, this is going to, people don't care about this, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. So Austin (laughs) is not, it's like fake Texas. Hmm. Yeah, (laughs) I've heard that. It's not real. It's I mean, it's a lovely place and it's got great food and great music. It's not like real Texas. San Antonio is closer (laughs) to being real Texas. San Antonio is a weird town because it is, there are these three cultures that sort of clash very intimately in the middle of the place. You have a city that doesn't feel very big, so it feels very homey. It's like there are people that live here and they're just living their lives. But there is like the deep touristy aspect of Mm -hmm. San Antonio. But then all of that is compounded by the the very prominent military culture there. 
yeah. because there 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 is an army base right there. So you have all of these very young soldiers there with their families, and it's it's just a there there's no other culture quite like San Antonio. I, I've never been any any place quite like it. Austin also has this reputation for being a real music town, mm-hmm. but you cannot spit in San Antonio without hitting somebody who's playing a song really, really well. Also, don't spit, because that's rude. Yeah, don't do it. That, well, uh, do, but don't that's... they do that in Texas, though? They have the, and they, the spittoons. Spit- and... I swear <laughs> to God. You got a spittoon? Susan, <laughs> uh, how has PAX South changed? This is only its third year. Yeah. I haven't been since the inaugural uh, PAX South in 2015, which I liked. It was very low-key. Yeah, it's it still is. It's still low-key. It is the smallest of the PAXs. Hmm. And it's got... It has a very, very chill vibe. Like, PAX West, which is in Seattle, which is the original, is super, super crowded. They've more than outgrown the space that they originally had for it. So it's very disconnected. It's in the convention center and then several hotels. It's, it's kind of a, a weird thing. It's very, very busy and, and cramped. East is all in one location, which is awesome. Uh, so it's it's more laid back than Prime, but then South is just like, hey y'all, let's let's hang and then let's, let's go get some tacos and it's gonna be awesome. It's just it's it's real nice. It's it's uh, I if you're considering going to a con and you have not been before, uh, it's a great starter con because it is smaller, it is lower key. You get an idea of what to expect at a convention without it being this crush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also, like, I, I, PAX has always had the reputation, and it's still true that, you know, if you want to get a look at the indie games that people are going to be talking yeah. about a lot in, like, a year, uh, that's every PAX, but PAX South is the place where you can actually play them. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you will actually be able to walk up to one of these booths and actually play uh, a really interesting game. And man, some of the some of the weirder VR experiments that you run into at uh, PAX is also like South is the place to do that. Okay, because you won't. Yeah. Yeah, you, because but no, if they're but okay, if you want to experience VR, which I highly recommend because it is something you really need to experience to understand. Strongly recommend if you don't see them clean off the yeah. headset, like bring your own baby wipes. Wipe it off yourself. Because, yeah, yeah, the whole pink eye thing, yes, it's real. That will happen. It will. It is no joke. (laughs) Just clean it. Clean it. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So if if anybody was at PAX PAX South and wants to tell us about their tales, we'll probably talk about what Susan and Dave saw at the show on next week's episode. You know, one Uh, thing that's going to be at uh, PAX South, hmm. the Nintendo Switch. Yep. Oh, dang. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that there won't be any line. No, you can just, uh, you, you'll totally be able to, like, just walk right up to it and play Zelda. It'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be able to just go up and get to it immediately. Um, yeah. Is there anything, is there anything that you guys know that you're going to be playing while you were there? Um, uh, I, I am there uh, to speak on two different panels, mm-hmm. uh, a serious one and a fun one. Uh, my fun, the fun one is one I've I've done before. It's my favorite terrible game. 
I love that panel. <laughs> it's 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 a I hoot. love that panel. That's a good so panel. Much. Yeah, where uh, where I and uh, some pals of mine get up on stage and talk about games that are objectively awful, <laughs> but that have a place in our hearts for uh, whatever reason. And uh, listeners, I would love to hear what your favorite terrible game is. Yeah, it's not a spoiler since it already happened. What is yours, Susan? Uh, I am doing an enhanced version of Fester's Quest. Oh, beautiful. I, I mean, yeah. Fester's Quest. Fester's, Fester's <laughs> Quest is a, a strange beast. There, There is actually, now you can actually read the history of why that game happened. And it's super interesting. Oh, for really? Anybody that's curious. Yeah, you can you can find out a little bit about the people who made it because they uh, they had the license, and it really was a case of somebody holding a license to something that they they were like into a lot, and and but they were American, and they contracted <coughs> Sunsoft to make it for them, and they didn't speak Japanese. Oh, so you can imagine. That the the back and forth uh, on trying to make this thing was was pretty wow uh, fraught yeah okay so that's that's almost as much fun as my version of this <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, so what I do in the presentation is I, I we talk about what, how the game is objectively terrible and then we talk about why we love it and why I love it is because it makes no sense none <laughs> I mean it is a perfectly functional game. Uh, it's, it's mechanics work. They make sense. They, it's basically a, a shmup, but you're walking instead of flying. Your, uh, weapons upgrade and downgrade, depending on which pickups you, you pick up. It just has absolutely nothing to do with the Adams family or Fester or or Uncle Fester. Nothing. So in my, my head canon for how this came to be, and I, I, I tell this story visually in my presentation. (laughs) So they're about to go gold, right? They're doing final QA on the game. And it's like two in the morning. And they're, they're all there. And it's, it's just that last push before they go gold. And they're starving. So they order pizza. And so the pizza guy comes. And they're paying the pizza dude. And he's just like, you know, as the pizza guy does, he's holding the pizza box there and like looking around, like, give me my money so I can go back, you know, go leave. And he looks over at one of the monitors. And he <coughs> says, now, hey. That looks a lot like Uncle Fester. <laughs> now, originally, because here's the thing. In the opening of the game, mm-hmm. Uncle Fester is wearing a wizard's hat? He's wearing a wizard's hat, and he's he's drinking an iced tea yeah. at night. Well, you, you, okay. You know, it, like in the show. He, well, he did moonbathe. Mm-hmm. In the he show, did he did moonbathe. But he never wore a wizard hat. So, like, in my in my version, the original version of this game, he, just, he was just a wizard. You know, because he's in a robe, and he had a wizard hat. So the, and that was the game. Like, the wizard goes and saves the town from the aliens. Did I mention there were aliens? There's aliens. <laughs> so, like, he's like, oh, that looks like Uncle Fester. And they turn as one and look at their monitors and just all go, Because <laughs> it's too late. They can't do anything yep. about it. They're what like, are you going to do? He's right. Uh, so they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. And they just lean into it as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. And and like they're it. just like now he is Uncle Fester. Now he's Uncle Fester, but that doesn't explain why they would make first person corridor scenes. I can't help it there. Every corridor is the same. I I can't <laughs> I can't help it. Th- yeah, there's he, 
Oh, it's bad. It's not good. Hateful. <laughs> Hateful nightmare of a game. It is. It uh, really is. Dave, are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna wait in line to get that switch in your life? Are you um, gonna go get that HD rumble? I'm gonna we'll see. Uh, <laughs> usually PAX has like a an hour long sort of uh, press hour. At the mm. beginning of the show, I don't know. Pack South does that, but if they do it, yeah, do it that. Okay, then then yeah, I'll I'll, I'll head to the to the switch area before. I also have an appointment to check out. Uh, Has been heroes from oh, cool. uh, Frozen Bite, the the team that made all of the Trine games, and they're making this for Nintendo Switch. So yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know what That's... I am gonna see? Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? Oh, finally! Where yeah. the hell has that game been? Well, it uh, I I think when it originally came out, it was going to be a, a like a PlayStation thing, and I guess Sony was like, you know what? Oh, oh, uh, oh. so it has a new publisher, Annapurna Games, and so I I really liked what I saw a few years ago. It was clearly very early, like the controls were meh, sure, but conceptually, I just thought it was really really interesting. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that is now. Yeah, if anybody is unfamiliar, What Remains of Edith Finch is this... Uh, it falls into that category of walking simulator. You know, it's it's a little Gone Home-ish, uh, a little Vanishing of Ethan Carter-ish, but way, way more surreal than either of those games, And which is saying something, considering how surreal Vanishing of Ethan Carter is. You, you are playing through a, a girl's nightmares, right? In Edith Finch? Well, no. It... So what the deal is... <laughs> you, as the protagonist, you, you come back to your family's home, and it yes. is messed up. Like, you know, members of your family were kept locked in their bedrooms. Uh, and each room represents a different member of the family, and each right. member of the family died a different way. And yeah. it's But it's not, like, this is not a horror game. It's more creepy? It's like Edward Gorey-ish, almost. Like, uh, uh, like not, not quite that. Not much. stylistically, I mean. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah. Just like, like yeah. a, like mundane but slightly spooky but also kind of silly the the demo that they had when they first did this was you you played as a tentacle on a, you, on a well, ship okay so what you did was uh in that one you're a, you're a girl mm-hmm. and you're you're locked in your room because you were bad and you're hungry you're so hungry so you just start eating things in your room like right. you eat a you eat a plant, you eat toothpaste, and you eat your hamster's food, and you're still hungry. So you turn into a bird, and you fly outside, and you eat something. Or no, you turn into a cat, and you go outside the tree, and you eat a bird, but you're still hungry. So you turn into a shark, and you're a shark in a tree, and then you flop into the water, and you eat a bunch of stuff. You know, eat a bunch of fish, and this goes on and on and on. You're still hungry, 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 and eventually you turn into a sea monster and that's when you're the tentacle and you go and you eat everybody on a boat. (coughs) You eat all of them, but you're still hungry. And so you find your way up a sewer pipe and you come up the toilet and now you're back in the room where you started and the tentacle eats the girl. What a weird game. It's so weird. I'm excited that it's, I'm excited that it's re-emerging into the world. Uh, If you guys uh, do, whether or not you guys play uh, some Switch at uh, PAX South, uh, I, I we we got after our discussion about Switch uh, a couple of weeks ago a message from one of our listeners that I wanted to make sure that we covered in this episode because something that we we as a group talked about uh, that sort of we we didn't get any definitive answer to we were like who is the Switch for and we were we were 
pretty locked in on, like, the Switch is for people that like Nintendo games. That is rock solid. At least right now, yeah. At least right now. They're zeroing in on that. But we were sort of debating whether or not this was something that a family would be interested in. Uh, You know, because traditionally, uh, Nintendo is very uh, conscious of trying to go for that family market. But the Switch is a dicey proposition, you know? On the one hand, you could buy one of these things and it's an automatic co-op machine for two small kids who are traveling someplace, but then you're like, wait, are, are they going to fight each other for... Do you get two systems? Do you only have one system since you only need one for some co-op? Or so on and so forth. Anyway, Engaged Family Gaming got in touch with Susan and I to talk about their their perspective, which is family gaming. And uh, Engaged Family Gaming said the reason that they pre-ordered a Switch right away is that if they were looking at the Switch as an upgrade over the 3DS, the Nintendo 3DS, which is Nintendo's primary family front machine out there, you're, you're already spending $200 on a 3DS. So a Switch to them is a $100 upgrade for a handheld that is also a TV device and is also something that you can play. You can prop it up the tabletop mode and do co-op or you know com- competition that way and things like uh, Mario Kart with split screen. And that, to them, is the reason that they're interested. This is a, a boost over the 3DS for not that much more money. And... Uh, Engage Family Gaming told us that their kids are super pumped, quote unquote, super pumped about the Nintendo Switch. And I was intrigued about that perspective because I, I can see it. I can see the value proposition of spending an extra $100 on something instead of a 3DS. But then if you have more than one kid and you want to get two, that's a $200 uh, b- bump over a couple of... 3DSs, and then you're getting into the issue of controllers. What do you guys think of this? Dave, you have two kids. Yeah. You have you have two kids who, well, I mean, you know, obviously your younger child isn't quite ready for a machine like Switch, but your your older kid is right in that window. Yeah. So where, where do you come down on this? Yeah, it's, it is weird, isn't it? Because it is, they are kind of positioning it as... Not as both a console and a portable, but, like, their words are that it's a console that you can take with you. And, um, yeah, like, it has the, the, that that premium price tag, and it has, like, like if I buy one, like, and I'm using it, my daughter's not using it, because I'm using it, because I gotta right. do, like, play a game or review something or whatever. <laughs> uh, whereas, like, with a 3D, like, the, the, I think that the, where the, the family-ness of it comes in is when they get that version of the hardware out that is, like, $100. Like, the, the 2DS is sort of the perfect, hey, this is your first handheld system, don't break it kind of thing because it's like it's 80 it's 80 to 100 dollars comes with the game you give it to them and it's just this bread wedge that is indestructible right (laughs) and (laughs) i mean it's what it looks like um it's surprisingly ergonomic uh actually but uh yeah like that's that's what that machine is for and i think that like the Switch has the ability to be a family device like that. It's just right now, it's not 
the people who are well off will be able to buy multiple switches for their kids you know whereas like say maybe three to five years from now once that tech gets much easier to produce um and i'm i'm holding out hope that because it is using the like like a more mobile based architecture that that price could go could actually go down unlike the wii u um so that you know five years from now we get that price down to 150 dollars or whatever and you can buy multiple systems for individual members of your family uh much more easily um hell man forget forget multiple switches for your family if you want to get extra controllers, yeah. you're like, ah, screw it. Look, we'll just get we'll just get another pair of Joy-Cons instead of a second system. Freaking 80 bucks. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. But funny. like I do like the the idea that there are going to be games like like Mario Kart. Mario Kart doesn't need all those buttons. You have you have move, you have your little jumpy thing, you have go, you have break, and you have used items, and all of that can be done by turning the controller on its side and playing that way. And yep. uh, the fact that that's sort of built in to the console experience, even though it, like, you know, you're not going to want to play Street Fighter against a person with that right Joy-Con. You're just not. <laughs> like, especially not competitively. But for two kids who just want to dink around in the back of a car during a, a road trip or something, you know, that's it. it it's kind of a perfect device for that um because that multiplayer experience is is baked into the console um which is nice i just yeah it the to buy extra controllers right now is such a cost prohibitive thing that like N N nintendo is definitely treating this like a premium device They're, they are trying to make this like apple where apple charges $80 for an HDMI dongle for your freaking laptop after they take the, the HDMI port out of their laptop, you know? Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, God. Uh, I, I keep going, like, my, my enthusiasm for the Switch diminishes when it's out of my sight for a little while. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, Nintendo Switch. And then all of a sudden I'll see something. I saw, like, a GIF of the new Bomberman a couple of days ago. I was like, yes! Yes! Awesome! <laughs> I'm back on board! I'm back in! Um, yeah. Anyway, we're we're probably not going to be touching anything Switch-related unless it's at PAX South uh, for another five weeks or so. God, that's, that's crazy that that's that soon. But all three of us... This is the first time this has happened in a long time, where all three of us have been playing the same game at the same time. It's because you have terrible taste. I have the best taste <laughs> out of anyone on the planet. Like, can anybody else on our staff give you a detailed explanation of the Kingdom Hearts plot at the drop of a hat? No. That's why... Well, that I, that is absolutely true. Even people really, who have played it. That's not... That's not really... Yeah, don't, don't be proud of that. Not a, <laughs> not a point in my favor. Not a point in my favor. Although... I am the other person on staff that can give you the detailed history of the lore of uh, the game that we've been playing this week. All three of us have been playing Resident Evil 7. Uh, and our expectations. Last week on the show, we talked a lot about our, our excitement of, uh, for Resident Evil 7 and what we thought it was going to be and where it fit in with the whole series. And I, do I speak 
for all three of us when I say that this far exceeded our expectations of what it could be? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, right? Because I, I, I understand that we're still in January, that 2017 just got started, but I feel like we're looking at one of the top five games of this year right here. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. I'm wow. going that big. Resident Evil 7... Uh, Windjammers is on that list, right? Windjammers <laughs> is number one. Okay. <clears throat> it's uh, it's uh, Windjammers, number one. Number two, uh, Super Bomberman R for Nintendo oh my God. Switch. Oh, uh, my God. I don't... Und- we're going to have to talk about your Bomberman <laughs> thing some, at some point, but not right now. It's that little dongle on his head. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Resident, Resident Evil 7 blew my freaking mind. It blew my freaking mind... To the extent that I had to send both of you a text message in the middle of the night to yep. I started it. And I was like, this is the scariest goddamn thing I think I've ever played. Yeah. Okay. Anthony, I I have to I gotta come you are my friend. Yes. Right? You you I consider you family. You and I are very, very close. I got that message and I was like, you know, whatever, bro. I knew you were thinking that. I, I know. knew you were thinking that. You and I have different metrics for scary. Yes, we do. We yeah. find different things scary. We too. do. We find different things scary. I think you're kind of a chicken, but, you know, whatever. So I start playing this game last night. Uh-huh. And I just start sending Anthony text <laughs> messages in all caps. Because <laughs> I'm screaming. <clears throat> Yeah, you you were like the quote. Your quote was amazing, and I like I feel like this should be this should be like back of the box stuff. Uh, you said to me, "I eat horror for lunch, and this is freaking me right the hell out." Yep. Which I was not. I was not prepared for this game to be that scary. I like me I, either. Yeah, I because like here's the thing, the the Resident Evil series. It has jump scares galore. Absolutely. Sure. That, that kind of startling, like, eh. But it's cheesy as heck. Even mm-hmm. when it came out, mm-hmm. it's cheesy, cheesy, cheesy. It's that fun, accessible kind of horror in the way, like, you know, trick-or-treating or a Halloween party. It's it's horror-esque, but you, mm-hmm. you feel safe at all times. And it's it's not scary. It's just, you know, they're like, ooh, a zombie. Uh, look, <laughs> a, a you, zombie. You said it. You said it really well last week. You were like, the great thing about those old Resident Evils was there was just a, a general creepiness. Yeah. Like, it wasn't scary. There was no. just a, a creepy, unsettling-ness to the whole yeah. thing that made it fun, that enhanced the funness. Exactly. Exactly. This shit? Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. Are you kidding? Like, I, I, like I, I sat down to play it yesterday thinking... Like I, I eat horror for lunch. I mean, I I watch horror movies like, like candy. Like I'm I'm more than a little jaded to the kinds of things that that tend to scare most people. And so I go into this and I'm like, yeah, this will be great. I had to turn it off. I'm like, I am not emotionally equipped to deal with this right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it, man. I, I just really before we go any further for anybody listening. There are inevitably going to be spoilery, spoilery yeah. aspects to this discussion. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything big because we're Susan, Dave, and I are at different points in the game. I'm just about to the end. 
Susan's still pretty much, uh, you know, approaching the middle. And Dave is still... Like, Dave, you only played an hour, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just by the very nature of talking about these things, we're, we're sort of... We're going to inevitably get into some of that, uh, some stuff that happens, especially in that first hour. And uh, if you don't... If you plan on playing this, maybe come back to this conversation yeah. after you've played the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, because it's worth experiencing for yourself. Because... Man, so Susan, you're right. I am a little bit of a chicken when it comes to certain things. Because at the end of the day, it's just very mundane things that scare me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't get scared by conceptual stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it's... it's uh, the, I, I said to you, the three things that I have actual nightmares about, <laughs> like wake up in the middle of the night sweating and screaming are the three things that Resident Evil 7 are about. Yeah. Which is a, a doubting of your perceptions, uh, home invasion pursuit by people who you can't predict and don't know, and dilapidated wooden houses. It's not just dilapidated to gross houses. It's like... They have to be wood? They have to be wooden hallways that you don't know where they're going and they don't make sense and... Resident Evil 7's... It, uh, the whole game... The whole game... Yeah. Is the scariest... He basically just summed up Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of that said... The thing that blows my mind about this game... Is that it, it is so devoid of the like... Uh, I hope this isn't Chris's blood... Yeah. Jokey campiness of the originals. Oh yeah. No, like, no, 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 no. This is... This is... <laughs> If this is not a B movie, this no. is very much taking its cues from modern cinematic horror. Mm -hmm. uh, it is. I, I, I hesitate to call it realistic because there's <coughs> definitely there there's some. Uh, I, I don't want to say too much, but there are definitely right. elements that. Yeah, no, you're not going to see this in a film anytime soon because it's just like it's kind of magic sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but. The threat is from being overpowered mm -hmm. at all it's times. Even, at all times, even when what's even what's when what is coming after you is impossible, the mm -hmm. threat they represent is very real. It's about being overwhelmed, mm -hmm. not like oh, and then zombie shark came in, and right? And I need to have the rocket launcher for the zombie shark. It's like no. It's the, it's the horror and the fear that comes from someone bigger and stronger than you mm -hmm. wanting to do you harm yeah. or just wanting to prevent you from being able to leave. Yeah. Which, which is, is a very so simple disturbing. thing. Like if someone's oh. stronger than you, you can't leave. <sighs> Ugh. Oh <my> God. <laughs> this freaking game. And yeah. Um, I, I kept waiting for it to diminish as the game went on. I kept waiting for that to get easier to endure mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't it just lasts <laughs> like every single time i ha i started to have that like I, there should be a term for this which is horror confidence like every single great horror story i find whether it's a game or a movie or a novel or whatever always has that moment where there's 
your your protagonist or you yourself start to feel like you have a grip on the rules mm-hmm. and yep. you now yep. have horror confidence mm-hmm. you're you're not crippled by what's happening around you and Resident Evil 7 gives you that moment you have horror confidence but then it just punches you right in the <laughs> knee and knocks you down again uh, Dave, this is not your kind of game. No, like, I am. I am. I am, a, I am a horror wimp. Yeah. Like I, yeah, and <laughs> I didn't even get to. I got to the house right because it starts out. You get a message. Uh, the, the the impetus for the game is that you're this guy, Ethan, and um, your wife, I believe, sends yep. you an email, and she's like, "Hey, like, like she goes off somewhere and she disappears." And then you get a message from her three years later, and she says, uh, yeah, don't find me. What do you do? You go find her. Uh, well, so- well, then, because then you get an email from her. Right. That, that's, that says, I'm at such and such place. Come get me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you go there, and, eat, like, it's daytime, and you're walking through these Louisiana swamps, and you see this mansion, and already I'm like, I don't want any part of this game. <laughs> I don't want to do it, but I kept going because I'm like, well, I can't just stop now. <laughs> and like the first hour is just it, it. Part of it is from that demo, but it's sort of remixed in a way mm-hmm. that introduces you to the game. And um, immediate, like you, you are once you enter that house, it is just it is immediate. You are in it. And the game is ready to... It's like, you, you, we're going to scare the pants off you, man. And, <laughs> like, I believe I, I tweeted, uh, here's my review of Resident Evil 7 after five minutes of play. No. Nope. <laughs> no. <nah, laughs> why would you do this to yourself? And... Here's, th- here's, here's... Can we all just agree? Fuck Mia. Oh yeah. yeah, she's she's like off. you know. I haven't seen <clears throat> you in three years, bitch, and you want me to come? No, sorry, peace. <laughs> Good luck. There's a Stuckies down the road. Maybe you can get a <laughs> yeah. ride to there. I'm going to Hardee's. I'm, I'm going to go to Hardee's, and I'm going to get one of those weird fast food hot dogs they have. And I am not going in here. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. But yeah, like yeah. it has this really great intro, and it's like it's both teaching you the controls and also just putting you through this ringer and then suddenly and the point where I'm at right now is when that intro ends and you are in the house proper Hmm. and this is when like suddenly the game like you realize this is a Resident Evil game Mm -hmm. like this isn't just like some Texas Chainsaw Massacre body horror nonsense this is like I you're trying to escape from these dudes I picked up a key and I looked around the corner and it looked like a door, like it was a Resident Evil door. Like it had these the like a shield or something on it, and like you could tell that oh, I need some kind of key to unlock that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, a I'm, weird key at that. A yeah, weird key. And yeah. I'm guessing that because like I basically I um, it was late when I was playing, so I, I I found the key, I found a hatch, and I ended up saving, and that's where I stopped. But I'm oh, guessing we're at the exact same spot. Oh hey. So I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot of that sort of that Resident Evil puzzleness in this game, uh, which surprised me. I didn't think that it was going to go that direction. You know, I thought it was going to be more like Outlast or more like uh, uh, like Amnesia, where it's just escape from the bad guys and and try to get through this thing. I'm very glad it isn't. 
Yeah, I and there were moments in the first hour before you get to the house when you're playing the thing that is the sort of remixed demo. I was relieved to see that it, like, Susan, you were talking about last week, The you were like, oh, I don't want it to be like PT puzzles, mm-hmm. where it's like, stare at this wall for a second, mm-hmm. and then cough nine times into your controller, yep. and then call Walmart to see if they have this in <laughs> stock. Like, yeah, no, that, stuff's, that stuff's gone, and it's more direct, like you're just, go get this item, put it in this thing, blah, blah, blah. But I was worried that it was going to be very linear, you know, mm. that it was going to be uh, very much, like you were saying, Dave, amnesia-ish, where it's just like, all right, now this thing is here, and you need to run down this very specific hallway, and that's it. Uh, and let me tell you, where you guys both stopped, the Resident Eviliness of the game itself takes over even more from there. Like, I... I I understand that in previews for this game, journalists did say, like, oh, yeah, well, there's combat, and there's item management, and all that stuff. I I feel like it needs to be emphasized again for people who have been skeptical about this game. Do not be skeptical, because this is, this is Resident Evil 1, 2, and 4, uh, like, fully. You... <laughs> You are exploring a place, and you need to unravel things in a very specific way to get out, and it's incredibly detailed. It is the best parts of Resident Evil, and it almost feels like if you took the 1996 Resident Evil, and it hadn't been invented then, and Mm -hmm. and you invented it in 2017 with the modern horror tropes of 2017 and the game technology of 2017, and created it again. This is... Yeah, this is exactly what I wanted from The Evil Within. My problem yes. with The Evil Within, and there were many, was <laughs> that it just copied an older game. It felt like it was prettier, but it felt exactly the same as old Resident Evils. And a lot of people loved it for that exact reason, which I understand. But what I wanted was a modern take. Mm-hmm. Like, horror has evolved. Our understanding of horror has evolved. Game design has evolved. So take that same feeling and modernize it. And that's really what this game is doing. It's recognizing its roots, but it doesn't feel trapped by them. It's like, okay, we know where we come from, but we're going to take that spirit as opposed to that exact template. Mm -hmm. And we're going to craft an experience around it. And that's how I feel about this game. It still feels very, very much a Resident Evil game without feeling old. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, I so this, the, you guys know that there are monsters in the game. Yeah, uh, I haven't I, seen one yet, but yeah. You guys haven't seen one yet. <clears throat> but shortly past where you guys are, you will encounter your first of these guys. And they look just like in the screenshots. They're these writhing masses of like black inky goop and teeth and i just found out that capcom in designing the monsters the team in japan decided to make models of them to try and make them as scary as possible in real life before they made them in the game and they made them out of rotting meat oh Oh my god rotting meat and like made little action figures of them yeah they, they went for the gusto this time. And so, uh, after you encounter them for the first time, I 
I I went into an area where there were a bunch of them. And I I was like walked into the room for the first time and I was like, no, not going in there. Not doing it. I'm not. I want those items though. So here's what we're gonna do. You guys leave me alone. I'm gonna go through here very quickly, and we're just we're just going to leave each other alone. And I thought this plan would work. It's a classic Resident Evil strategy. You're like, screw these fixed camera angles, I'm just gonna beeline to where those bullets are. And I ran in, I tried to grab bullets and healing items as quickly as I possibly could, and then I turned a corner and didn't realize that it was a dead end. And turned around, and there were five of them now. Oh good, good. And it was just, like, and that was it. Like, I was done. There was, I was cooked. There was no getting out of it. And it was such a, the word visceral is tossed around to describe video games very regularly. This was visceral. It felt like my guts were literally tied into little bow ties inside of me. (laughs) And then yanked on. Because, like, it was perfect. It was that perfect horror moment of now they've got you. But it does that thing that only a video game can, where it's you. It's happening to you, not another character. And man, I, I could not have freaking been more impressed by the whole thing. Um, Dave, are you going to keep playing? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, <laughs> because I'm a wimp, I put it on easy. Uh, yeah. And it's like it, it, it's it feels like it's a little bit more manageable. I don't know how it is on, on normal. I, that's how that's actually how I played uh, Alien Isolation. I played that mm-hmm. on the very easy mode, and it, it was like, hey, this is like uh, a, a gripping experience, but I don't feel like I'm being punished for for just making mistakes. Yeah. And uh, you know, it that turned a twenty hour game into a nice taut twelve hour game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm hoping that like I can get uh, the same thing sort of out of Resident Evil Seven by playing on easy. But yeah, like once I saw the puzzles and stuff, I was like, okay, like I I feel like there's some kind of there there's something I can grab onto here that I'm not just scrambling in the dark for some kind of context. Uh, so I'm 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 gonna give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. I I really want to see how how it goes and i want i want to see how it ties in to the other games if it even does it does it 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 does that's well we'll talk we'll talk about the story in a second because there's there's not too much i can say without spoiling things for you guys but there is there are some interesting points susan you're also playing on easy oh god yeah absolutely and <laughs> and, and you and you said to me this morning, you were like, I would not play this combat in any other circumstances. Yeah, no, because that... It, here's the thing. A lot of people feel like... Feel guilty for playing on any difficulty that isn't at least the default, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm not a real gamer unless I'm playing a nightmare! Okay, please stop that, right? Like, this, is, this game is for your enjoyment. And you play it on whatever skill level makes sense for you. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You paid your money. You get to have your entertainment the way you want it. The end. Thank you. Okay. For me, what is what I'm going to enjoy about this game is the story and the creepiness and the scares. It's 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 an interactive horror movie basically, and that is my jam. But the combat, which you you have to do, 
is that's this is not a game that I play for combat. I play other games for combat, like you know, Dishonored, that kind of like I love that. That was great. Love doing that. This is that's not what I'm coming to Resident Evil for. So I'm if I could tune that out completely so that I could just really enjoy the creepiness of it, I would. But that's not an option. So I'm putting it on easy. Yeah, it's important for people to know that the combat here does indeed feel like the combat in classic Resident Evil. And I'm talking like 1 through 3, Code Veronica, and Resident Evil 4, even, really. You know, where your your weapons are moderately effective. Mm-hmm. And it is not abundantly clear how much damage you're doing or if you're doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, love it or hate it, that is... That is the way this this series used to play when it was still a horror series, uh, and before it became you know Michael Bay Resident Evil <laughs> 6, uh, Bad Boys Two with a T Rex made of arms sort of thing, uh, and once you can get over that hurdle, the combat becomes a lot more enjoyable. Once you know that, you know, yes, just just keep firing with what you have it will work eventually <laughs> uh even though you're not getting the sort of traditional feedback you expect from an action game uh it feels a lot better i i did play through on normal and <clears throat> i found i i recommended to both of you to try easy mm-hmm. uh based on my first couple of hours with it and i think that that is the way to play this for a lot of people Sure, totally. Yeah, and I, 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 I am going to play it a second time, and I am going to play it on easy. But I am happy that I played through on normal because it gave me that old, exper- that old Resident Evil arc of of uh, growth as a player, where I felt like unfairly overwhelmed up mm-hmm. to up to the first boss. Uh, that's another thing that's out there. There are bosses in this game. Uh, <clears throat> surprise, surprise, surprise. There are bosses uh, in a Resident Evil game. But, like, I felt, I was like, this is dumb. This difficulty setting is stupid. I, I wish I had played on easy. But then, as I got more used to what the game expected of me and understood the way, the way it was going to dole out items, I felt harried, but like I could survive by the end. It was the old survival horror Shinji Mikami ramping up of difficulty and experience scale, which is cool. See, for me, and I know for a lot of players, that threat of, of, of death from combat adds to the, the tension and the fear. And that is, is part of the horror experience for them. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. It's yeah. a hassle. Mm-hmm. I, it just annoys me. It actually pulls me out of the atmosphere. Yeah. It's distracting. It's distracting. It is. It, it is. And I, I just don't want to be bothered. <clears throat> so. I will say, too, that it, it is amazing. Everybody I talk to that's playing this in VR is just swears by it. They're like, it's amazing in VR. It works so well in VR. And I think it's really cool that this game is works so well in VR and you know just regular just just without it in in 2d but i will say that some of the combat jankiness that's in here that just feels like old resident evil apparently isn't janky when you're physically doing things with in a vr helmet uh there's like a blocking mechanic 
in this that it tell it seems in that in what you guys played when you're fighting Mia at the beginning you know it seems like the blocking is going to be like a really important thing to know and if you're not if you're if you're just playing in 2D it's really not but the ability to just sort of dodge with your body in VR apparently works perfectly oh see so, that would be nice right cuz there's no right. dodge cuz there's <clears throat> cuz there's no dodge there there are these defensive mechanics but they only kind of make sense if you're wearing the helmet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I tell you what, though, because this was this was this and Res were the games that I wanted a PSVR helmet for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I played the, the Resident Evil demo, and it made me nauseous. There's a I don't there's a part of, of uh, in the beginning, and it's just a, a quick like Ethan is just standing up really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was so swimmy. I was like, <laughs> so I know there's no way I could play this game in VR. If you are fortunate enough to, to be a person who can, who can play it and not get sick, I do think it would be an amazing experience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our, our own Anthony Snyder, uh, Games Radar's video editor, Anthony Snyder, was telling me about the VR uh, yesterday. And, and he was like, it is the reason. This is the game. This is the game that would sell people on the technology finally, mm. which is pretty cool. Uh, <clears throat> man, the this motion sickness thing, the game actually says right at the beginning, no matter what difficulty you play on, it says, uh, if you feel motion sick, turn off the camera wobble. I had to do yep. that in 45 seconds. <laughs> 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 I, <laughs> Ethan got out of the car, <laughs> and it was like... Pre- Press the left analog stick to walk. I was like, I will press options and not the left analog stick, and I will turn that off right now because, whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have definitely. to. I have to share with Dave the first text I sent you <laughs> last night. Now that I know he has passed this part, so I the 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 way most games go in this genre. <laughs> It's not a gentle onboarding, Mm-mm. but there's, there's, you know, hey, we're going to make it clear that you're in a, in a bad situation, and then we're going to give you the tools you need to get out of it, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a you are the hero kind of thing. So, and I'm about to say a spoiler. So if you've, if you've still been tuning in and you don't want to know something specific that happens, now's the time to skip ahead. So I'm going through this house, and, you know, you find... And it's, it's, it's a creepy-ass house. I mean, it really is. It's like, eh. you know some bad things have been going down. And uh, you find your, your wife, and she is acting very, very strange. And at one point, she some, something you know comes over her, and she starts attacking you. Hmm. And then it's like, whoa, girl, what a, yeah, I'm trying to... And then she cuts off your hand! <laughs> And I text to, to Anthony. I'm like, bitch, cut off my hand. <laughs> she most certainly did. All, yeah. all of the things of, of all the things I thought might happen. That would not have been one of them. Losing your hand in the first 45 minutes of that game. Yeah. Right. Right. Like this game, like all the nice little safe rules and that things you thought you understood. Forget it. Just forget it. Cause you don't. The game is mad at you. 
<laughs> Can we talk about the sound design for a minute? There? Because oh, I yeah. like it's like you'll be walking along in this house and you just you'll hear they're not quite footsteps. They're not quite like like it's it's like the house is just kind of you know it's settling it's it's making the 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 just old creaky noises, but it does so much to make you never feel like you're safe. Like e- yeah. even in that opening, those opening moments when it's like, okay, well they haven't taught me combat yet, so they're not gonna throw bad guy at me yet, right? And but you're, <laughs> you're like, you're trying, you're trying to solve this puzzle or whatever, and it's just like you hear this over in the back. You're like, what the, f- what was that? No, nothing, nothing there. You're fine. Just keep doing. Um, yeah, man, this I was not expect. I was expecting Resident Evil Seven to be okay. Yeah. Me too. Uh, because like even even a game like Resident Evil Six, which had loads of problems, was like it was mechanically fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like well, like we talked about last week, like Resident Evil Five is fine. It is mechanically sure. sound. It has the graphics, and like I was kind of worried that Resident Evil Seven was gonna be like it was it, like it would be serviceable horror. Fans would like it. Uh, everyone else would just be kind of scratching their head and going like why j- don't open that door why is the voice acting so bad uh, but the fact that it actually turned out as good as it did i am yeah. like it, it, it i feel like with final fantasy or with resident evil 7 like i felt with final fantasy 15 where it feels like oh so if this is the direction that things are going i think we're going to be okay right yeah. like the series can survive uh, yeah. <clears throat> man, I, I, uh, I, I was so impressed with what I played that I was like, I, I was like, I didn't, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a Capcom game made on this scale that was this sort of forward thinking and yeah. fresh. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not to say that Capcom hasn't made great games in recent memory, you know, uh, the Ace Attorney that came out last year was like a great recovery for that series, and Monster Hunter is consistently good. And yes, there are problems with it, but I think Street Fighter V is excellent. And but these are not these are not games that feel uh, like on the forefront of design theory, you yeah. know. And I, I like this does this is this. It, it, I know that there are people within Capcom who are like, it's a reboot, it's a soft reboot. And I feel like that's a disservice to the team that made this. It is a sequel through and through, but in like the best sense of a sequel where where it's uh, we're going to continue the story and traditions of a thing, but but rethink them and be experimental and like that that is what this is. And I, I actually was like, I need to know more about the staff that made this and what I was so impressed by in doing that research was that we owe this change in direction he's not the director but the guy who caused resident evil 5 to be what it was jun takeuchi jun takeuchi he is the one who is like let's turn it into co-op bro action guys let's do it resident evil 5 was his fault he's the one who took over the series after shinji mikami left and apparently, after Resident Evil 6, he set, like, they shrank the team, 
Resident Evil 6 was developed by 600 people. This was made by a team of 120 people. It's a very small team for a AAA game in this day and age. And his actual marching order was Resident Evil needs to be stripped down to its core. Quote, unquote. Stripped down to its core. And I, like, damn, did they ever do that. And this is interesting. I knew that they had... They brought in somebody who was American to work on it as well, but I wasn't sure what his role was, and uh, I, I did a little bit more reading. And this is fascinating, is that uh, Resident Evil 7 is written by, and it's narrative direction, so the guy that like sort of came up with the thrust of the story is named Richard Piercy. And he has worked on three other things. He's He was the guy that came up with the narrative direction for Spec Ops The Line. Oh, interesting. And the Fear expansions. And if anybody doesn't remember Fear, that's that's forgivable. But Fear was Fear was good. Ago. Yes. Yeah. Fear was good. Fear was very good. Fear was legit. And as you continue to play Resident Evil 7, you will see strands of Fear's DNA in this game which like it was like once i knew that it was the guy that did the stuff that sort of made fear what it was when it eventually came to consoles i was like oh all right i i can totally see that but i also will say like people who have doubts about like oh is this proper resident evil like it is it it does fit into the world uh yeah man i can't i can't recommend it enough it's so good i i I can't believe... I can't believe they did it. Bitch, cut off my hand, man. (laughs) Bitch, cut off your hand. (laughs) Bitch, cut off your hand. Uh, She apologizes. Not really. She doesn't. (laughs) She she apologizes with a knife. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, oh, hey! Real sorry about that. Uh, One of the things, and it's such a simple thing, but it's, it's something that improves for me the playability of it a whole lot, you find a map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you enter a new area, you find a map. And it's the classic Resident Evil style map that lets you know that door's locked, that one isn't, this is the path. And I find it, it it's really, really helpful because that's, especially now that your the environment is so lush mm-hmm. and detailed... Like when you're just when you're walking through the swamp to get to the house, yeah. there's lots of areas where you're like, "Can I go down that way? Can I maybe?" So it's really nice to be, to know, like, no, you, you you can't. You're supposed to go this way. It's fine. Don't worry about it, mm-hmm. um, because it's it. You don't want getting lost to take you out of the experience the really horrible experience that <laughs> right, you're having. Right, right? like wait a minute, miserable experience that you're having. Yeah. Yeah, also, I really want to talk about <laughs> one of the very first things you see in the game. A kind of a gate. <laughs> yeah. That you... Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, the purpose of this gate, <laughs> gameplay-wise, is to teach you how to cr- crouch. <clears throat> right? Simple. You, just, you have to crawl under this thing to get where you're going. It Fine. teaches you a lot more. <laughs> it teaches you a lot more. This gate is made out of... Horse legs. Yeah. It is a arrayed st- <laughs> in a sunburst pattern. Ugh. It's 
one of the most disturbing things I think I've ever seen in a video game. It's just a normal human gate. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> that's build. Here's the thing. Out. Like an old... Re- yeah, to keep out everybody. The, it, like in, a, in an older Resident Evil game, it, it was... It was very overt with gore, but the gore was so overt that it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it was cartoony in in how much blood and guts there was everywhere. This is a thing a person could actually make. (laughs) (laughs) And as you look around, you see that, oh, like there's some legs over there, like the tools that the person used to make this horrible thing. And they're still fresh. So someone thought this was a good idea and they're still around somewhere close. <laughs> oh good. That's oh, great. God. I man, when I got to that I I was also like my god, I just I had I was doubting this game so much. And I was very even after playing the E3 demo, I was very much in that headspace that you well, were describing, Dave. Of like, oh no, it's a dirty refrigerator. I bet it's yeah. gonna be. I'm gonna open it up. And there's gonna be <laughs> oh, things no. that aren't food. There's, oh, there's no. bad food where good food should be. Uh oh, there's a <laughs> there's a toilet with poopy in it. Oh no! And then I saw the horse leg gate, and I was just like, oh, oh fuck, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Resident Evil will get you. And they're all. Is there anything you guys would change about it? Is there anything you guys, like, like with what you've played, you wish was in there that isn't at this moment? I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm far enough into it yet to make that kind of... To make that call. Yeah. Judgment, yeah. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I don't know. The one tradition that I wish they had brought back... And I'm not. I'm. I, I think it would have played well here. Is that there are safe rooms? There are rooms where you can save your game and use an item chest, uh, just like you always did. But the one thing that's missing from the safe rooms in Resident Evil Seven was all the safe rooms in old Resident Evil had like a really chilled out song playing. <laughs> yeah, it was always like some like minor key piano thing happening, and it's just. Like you were like, as long as I can hear this chilled out song, I'm going to be fine. And you could like recuperate when you went to a safe room. Instead, you go into safe rooms in Resident Evil 7. You're just like, I have to go back out there. Uh, no. Let's <laughs> <laughs> board up the door and we'll stay here. Everything's great. Everything's fine. I would like uh, bitch to not cut off my hand. Nobody will cut off. <laughs> nobody will knife me. No spousal knifings. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we're going to talk about this game again over the next couple of weeks. There is one other game that is out this week. I know I mentioned it last week. I know Susan's going to be playing it this weekend. I am. We need to talk about it just a little. Not a lot. Just a little. Because I I I realized something about it that I knew Susan would laugh at. Uh, I've been playing Dragon Quest VIII, Journey of the Cursed King on Nintendo 3DS. This is the the remake of the old PlayStation 2 RPG. Uh, Before anything else, if you love Japanese role-playing games, I still maintain that it, like, Dragon Quest VIII is the perfect old-school JRPG. 
There is there is nothing that compares to this game, and it is preserved marvelously on 3DS and improved on 3DS. Uh, there is an option to speed up the battles two times, just permanently throughout the whole game, and you can also see all the enemies of the world map. No more random encounters. It's beautiful. I love that. <clears throat> um, but we also a few months ago we talked a lot about Dragon Quest Seven which came out for 3DS. It was a remake of an old PlayStation 1 game. Uh, I loved it. Other people had their doubts about it. And I gotta tell you, uh, there's a scene in Parks and Recreation. There's a whole thing where Rob Lowe is trying to take hamburgers off of a cafeteria menu at City Hall. And Ron Swanson is like, no, hamburgers are the best and you're a monster and you can't take them away. So they have a burger contest. And Rob Lowe is like this fitness expert. And he gets all of the best ingredients and painstakingly crafts the perfect turkey burger with all the seasonings and fresh vegetables and a homemade brioche bun. <laughs> and Ron Swanson goes and buys grade D meat from like a strip mall and like just nasty like Wonder Bread white bread buns nothing on it it's just like a gray beef patty on a bun and they at their contest they finally have it and everybody is just gushing about the healthy turkey burger and then they take one bite of the regular burger and they're like nope it's better it's better it's way better <laughs> and rob Lowe even sort of like gives like this you know derisive look to ron swanson and takes one bite, and he doesn't even chew it. He just goes, that's better. It stays on the menu. This is better. <laughs> I played 71 hours of Dragon Quest Seven and beat it. I loved it. I played, like, two hours of Dragon Quest Eight, and I was like, this is better. It's yep. better. <laughs> it's better. It's a better game. <laughs> better game, everybody. Uh, yeah, Susan, you're, you're in for a treat. It's everything you remember it, and it's preserved in lovely fashion. All the voice acting is there. It is still that funny. It's it's lovely, lovely game. Excellent. I am uh, I am as we have mentioned. I am going to PAX, and therefore I am going to be trapped in a metal tube in the air for quite some time. So I am very happy to have some alone time with my Dragon Quest. Oh man, uh, it's just it's just a thing. I haven't really gotten into anything. Of the big new stuff. Because there are not one but two new uh, people that you can have in your party oh. for the duration of the game. That's exciting. Uh, they're both characters that appeared in the original. It's just that you can permanently have them in your party, which is a kind of significant change. Like Part of the appeal of Dragon Quest VIII was that you only had four characters for the entire sort of hundred hours of the game. And rather than sort of having to bounce between party members as you do in other RPGs, you got to really drill down and customize these characters uh, a lot. Uh, so it'll be weird to see how that changed. Dave, are you going to dive into this? I know that you're, you need an RPG break, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'd like to. It's just, it's a matter of, like, just having the time and... Uh, I don't know. I'd like I'd like to give reading a shot. Maybe I'll see yeah. how that goes. Uh, I've been playing so many video games lately, but uh, that and it's it's also like I feel weird about buying anything Nintendo related right now, mm -hmm. while we still don't know what the Switch's whole deal is. 
Like I'm, I don't, I, I'm not holding my breath for like 3DS, like eShop compatibility or virtual console stuff or whatever. But still, like still, it's just like no, I think I'm gonna put my game money toward toward that, and like I'll wait for. Dragon Quest Eight to go on sale if it does uh, in the oh, near future, uh, but yeah, like I I, I definitely want to play it. I, I played a, a bit of it when it came out on PS2 and I really liked it, but uh, I never got much farther than like the first ten hours or so. Oh, oh wow, okay. So yeah, yeah. You mean only one tenth of the game? Yeah, basically. <laughs> freaking games. It, it's it's long. It's a long game. Uh, yeah, everybody, I think that, that brings us to the end this week. Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention before we sign off? No? Uh, Bitch, cut off my hand. <laughs> Bitch, cut off Susan's hand. That's the and podcast then a guy, title, And then the a way. guy poured juice on it, and everything was okay. I don't even... We didn't... I don't... I can't... We'll come back to that in a future one. Yeah, Let people play Resident, it. Well, we have to do, like, a Resident Evil spoiler cast, I think. Uh, that's a good idea, yeah. Because uh, there's there's a lot there. But yeah, you do heal yourself by pouring juice on your on your meat, um, and it's just like da da. <laughs> and weirdly, there is uh, there is a logic to that. That is, I guess, the guy, the the spec ops and fear writer that they brought in. The one thing he he made sure that happened was that uh, on top of all of the Resident Evilness, that there was actually like, hey, let's let's make sure everything makes sense this time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just let's just tell folks things that there's like a logic here. I'm sure that everybody in the original Resident Evil team was like, "What are you? What, what logic? Why? What? Why are you, are you suggesting that what we did didn't make sense? Are you suggesting that Jill Valentine running away from an enormous tank-sized zombie named the Nemesis wouldn't wear a tube top and miniskirt? Are I'm you sure she are you would. suggesting that a local police department wouldn't have a series of arcane <clears throat> card themed keys hidden everywhere? <laughs> uh, excuse me. The Raccoon City Police Department was designed in the 19th century by an eccentric architect, and the mayor is a deranged art collector, Dave. <laughs> here's oh, what's, here's what's been great. Okay, so Anthony like researched the history of the Resident Evil franchise, like the lore of it, mm-hmm. not the creation of the games, but the the lore in the games. And he's been spouting out facts <laughs> about the series. And I can't tell, they're so, I can't tell if he's joking. Like he'll say something, like he'll say a Tyrannosaurus made of spare limbs. I'm like, you know what? I, I can't tell if that's a joke or not. Nope. I can't tell if you're making that up. <clears throat> nope, it's it's all real. Hey, you know who else was a, a key a staffer on Resident Evil 7? The director. It's the same director as Revelatons. Uh, oh. Yeah. So Revelatons was decent, man. Re- yeah, and like that's it was once I found that out and it, there are there are even like Revelatons nods later in the game. Oh. Uh <clears throat> not the, like not a direct story tie-in. They're just like sort of nods to it. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because I, I felt like, you know, Resident Evil Revelations, which actually started as a 3DS game, you can sort of play it on everything now, but I, I it was cool that Capcom saw that that sold well and not only was like, oh, let's just do a sequel. Like they, they let the guy who made it really double down on the ideas in it. 
Uh, and but they also cut out the fat. Like one of the worst things in Revelations is in order to even pick up items like ammo and healing, like you have to scan the environment with like a motion oh, tracker yeah. from aliens thing, and it's so annoying. And none of that here. But the the spookiness of that game is very well maintained. Anyway, everybody, uh, thank you for listening. As always, uh, we want to hear about what you played at PAX South. Drop us a line. Uh, you can always hit us up on Twitter uh, using our handles. Those will be in the show notes on our site. And uh, you can also get in touch with us at GamesRadar on Twitter. And you can send us Facebook messages. There's all kinds of ways. Use the internet. We accept carrier pigeons as well. Uh, don't expect them to be returned, though, because we think they're adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>